word today. I'm going to wait for a majority on this. Are you ready for the word today? All right, good. I love that. So good. This month is all about us focusing on what God likes. And those of you that were here last Sunday, I told you that we were going to be focusing on uh, some things that were dear, near and dear to the heart of God. And we didn't really have a title for the series. And it was so cool. Uh, Jamie Vernon, who attends our church, posted something on Instagram about the message. And she hashtagged it, What God Likes. And I'm like, that's the title to our series. So she was at 9 o'clock service, and I thanked her for that. Uh, so we're, gonna, we're naming this month What God Likes. We're going to be focusing on the things that are dear to God's heart. I started last week speaking on worship. And for those of you that don't know my background, I, I was a worship leader for many years and a songwriter, and it's just a part of my heart, just worship. I love worship, and I love speaking on worship. I used to travel full-time, and I'd go to worship conferences. And so the problem with me speaking on worship is that there's too much that I want to say. I mean, Kristen can tell you I spent enough much time this week just taking stuff out of my notes because it had been two-hour messages today, all right? But I want to continue what we started last week. Last week, we started in John chapter 4, and verse number 23, and we're going to talk about true worshipers, okay? Everybody say, true worshipers. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. What God likes... God is looking for people that will worship Him in spirit and truth. In other words, God is looking for true worshipers. He's looking for God-like. You don't look for something you don't like, right? So God likes true worship. So I want to continue on from what we talked about last week. Last week, we really discussed two things. We, We discussed why we worship, and we discussed who we worship. And if you're taking notes, you can just write this down. The why will tell you the who. A little confusing, right? All right, I'll explain it to you. The why will tell you the who. Those of you that were here last week, and if you weren't here, I'd recommend you going online and listening to it. Uh, I believe there were some nuggets there that's going to help you in your worship with the Lord. But we talked about the fact that worship has to do with value. Matter of fact, the word worship literally comes from an old English word that says worth-ship. So in other words, you worship whatever you find worth in. How many of you spend time doing the things you like, right? Whatever you've put value in, that's where you spend your energy. That's where you spend your time. That's what you tweet about. That's what you put on Facebook. I value this. That is where worship comes from. You place value on something, and once you do, you begin to worship it. So, the Holy Spirit reveals to us the truth of who God is. In other words, the Holy Spirit reveals to us the value of God. You begin to understand how valuable He really is to you, how much He means to you, how much He's done for you. So, the why equals the worth, right? Why do we worship? Because we find... Oh my goodness. 
All right, here we go. This, the answer is worth. Okay, here we go. Why do we worship? Because we find worth. That's what we worship. And the angels in heaven and the 24 elders in heaven say there is only one who is worthy. There's only one who has the worth that we should worship Him. So the why is the worth. The who tells us He is the only one that's worthy. So why do I worship? Because He's worthy. And that also tells me who I worship. So this week, last week was the why and the who. This week I want to talk about two questions. I want to talk about how do we worship and what is worship. Write it down. How do we worship and what is worship? That first one is a huge question. How do we worship? I get it all the time when we invite people to our church. Well, what's your worship like? How do y'all worship? Y'all got music? You ain't got music? Okay, if you got music, what kind of music you got? Right? People raise their hands. People clap. Do y'all allow this? Do y'all like that? It's always this context of how do you worship? And what you find, that question has resulted in thousands of Christian denominations, right? I mean, church splits, denominational splits, all based on how people worship. And then you can break it down into just like, like I said last week, just because people say, well, I'm Baptist. Well, that don't tell me anything. What kind of Baptist are you? You primitive Baptist? You missionary Baptist? You, what, are you, y'all Southern Baptist? Are you free will Baptist? Are you Baptocostal? What are y'all? And don't even get me started on the Pentecostal. They just, it's just, just crazy all the way through. You don't even know what you're going to end up with there. Because it all comes down to how do we worship? And most of us base how we worship on how we grew up. How we grew up. How you were taught. How you were raised. And what that does, it does one of two things. If you grew up a certain way, you never worship that way anymore. Or, if you grew up a certain way, it's the way you know how to worship. So, it's based on what you believe, what you've been taught. It's based on what it makes you feel like, what you like. That's how we base this, how we worship. But I want to help us today. Instead of focusing on the how, we should be focusing on the what. Not just how do we worship, but what is worship. Write this down. Understanding what worship is will tell you how to worship. Understanding what worship is will tell you how to worship. So, Let's answer that question for a little bit today. What is worship? I'm going to give you a few points. And one of them is the point from last week that I want to tie back in. Worship is about value. Whatever you place value on, He is worthy and so we worship Him. And what happens is, as you begin your relationship with the Lord, you hope that you will start seeing more of His worth. At the beginning, your relationship with the Lord is, man, He saved me from my mess, right? But as you begin to grow grow stronger in your relationship with Him, and you go through some trials and some tribulations, you, you face some tough times, then you begin to realize He doesn't just save me from my sins, He saved me from myself. 
And he keeps me out of situation. And he's the peacemaker. And he's the one that's always with me. And what happens? Your worth, man, his worth begins to grow. And so because of that, our worship should begin to grow. What I found in the scripture is that when you see him as he is, you also see yourself as you are. We read it last week. Revelation says, John heard a voice and he turns around and he sees, suddenly he sees God as he is. And what does John do? Falls at his feet as dead. Because when you see God as he is, you begin to see yourself as you are. The book of Isaiah chapter 6, one of my favorite passages of scripture. Isaiah 6, Isaiah said this, when the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the first thing that Isaiah says is, whoa. Not W-H-O-A, but whoa, W-O-E. He says, whoa is me. I see God as he is and I see myself as I am. And I love what happens, the angel, the angel comes down and says, we're not going to have none of that in the presence of the Lord, alright? And he takes a burning coal and puts it on his lips because Isaiah said, I've got unclean lips, what am I going to do? I can't do it. Many times when people sense the presence of God or they sense the grace of God, our first thought is, oh, I'm not good enough, oh, I'm unclean. I could never step into God's presence. And the angel comes and places the coal upon his lips and he says, now your lips are purified. Because God doesn't want anything to keep us from worshiping him. Especially not our sins. And yet I'm looking at folks right now that did things last night, did things last week, and probably said something this morning. That you walk in here and people are worshiping, and they're lifting hands, and they're opening their mouth up, and you go, I can't do that. I'm not worthy. Listen, y'all, we don't worship because we're worthy. We worship because He's worthy. Amen? If my lack of worth stops me from worshiping, then I'm never going to worship. But the whole point of seeing him as he is, is to understand that he didn't just come to judge us. He came to bleed and die and resurrect for us so we could be worthy. Worship is this beautiful thing where you see God as he is. It convicts you, you're like, I'm not good enough. And then you understand, wait a minute, he made me good enough. And then you can walk boldly into the throne of grace and find help in your time of need. Worship is powerful. I want to help us today to understand the power of worship, the freedom of worship, the joy of worship, and mainly how much God likes worship. So worship is about value. Secondly, worship is about focus. Everybody say focus. That's what it is. What are you focusing on? That's what you worship. What do you spend your attention on? What do we spend our time on? That's what we worship. And it's amazing to me how fast we lose focus. Now look, I got ADD. Kristen says I got ADD, That's what she said. But we all lose our focus so fast, don't we? Come on, y'all. It ain't just me. Come on, we can be all in, can't we? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Whatever it is, relationship with God, working out, eating right. I'm going to do it. And I mean, it ain't five seconds later. Where's the squirrel? Where's the squirrel going? That's why he would always remind. 
You know, the scripture, I've said it before, the scripture said they would, they would, they would put leather bands around their head, the children of Israel, and they would hang right here in front of their face. They called them frontlets in front of their face, and it would just say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Just walking around, just looking at it like that right there. We ought to make an app for that, just an iPhone that just sits right there the whole time, just to remind us because we're so easily distracted and we lose focus. Write this down. True worship always focuses on God. And I believe that's why heaven is going to be so beautiful because there will be no distractions from Him. It's all going to be focused on Him. It's all going to be about Him for eternity. So why don't we start that right here, right now? Why not start right? Why wait to heaven to do something God likes? Why wouldn't we do it right here, right now, where we are? We lose focus so fast. I also find how fast we put the focus on ourselves. It comes back to us. And God says, I'm not going to put up with that. I will have no idols in front of me. That's why, I mean, He would destroy nations because of idols. Why? Because this distraction is taking the focus off of him. Well, what about we make ourselves the idol? Am I speaking to anyone besides me? That this week, sometime, you made yourself the one that had the worth and had the value, the one that had the focus placed upon you? It happens all the time. I mean, where we, we put that focus on ourselves and, and for some reason we think because we're doing something right that... That man, I, it's, I'm do, I did good on that one. I was pretty good. The scripture says, Jesus said, don't be, like, don't be like those folks that stand on the street corner and blow trumpets and let everybody know, I'm worshiping now. Me, 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 I'm worshiping. He said, don't do that. Don't, do, don't make it about you. If people are looking at you when it comes time for worship, then there's something wrong, all right? You got to reevaluate those things. So, so worship is never about what we're doing. But also worship should never be about what we won't do either. Because then it's just as much about you. Some of us have been raised worshiping a certain way and then you're in a certain different situation where they're worshiping a little different than you and you're like, ooh, I'm not going to do that. Suddenly it's about you. Or because of your insecurities or because the way you were raised or because of how's this going to make me feel. It's about you. How's this going to look if I do this? Suddenly it becomes about you. If you and I are thinking about ourselves during worship, then that's not true worship. True worship is putting the focus on Him. It's saying it's all about you. I'm not going to allow the tension to be on me by something that I'm doing or by something that I'm not doing. I'm not a good preacher, but that's good preaching right there. True worship is having right values and true worship is is having right focus. Number three, true worship is also adoration. Adoration, that's a fancy word for love. Adoration. Worship is founded in love. When you love somebody, you can't help it, can you? You It's got to come out. You got to worship. It's got. It's got to come out. It, it just. When you love something, you're going to tell somebody about it. You're going to post it on social media. I love this. I got to tell you about this restaurant I just went to. See this adoration that comes out of us. You can't. The Bible says, "Whatever your heart is full of is what your mouth's going to talk about." 
And that's a whole other message in itself. If you find yourself talking bad about people, or gossiping, or bitterness, or anger, or negativity, guess what your heart's full of? I know you don't like hearing it, neither do I. I don't even like saying it, but it's the truth. Our heart, whatever our heart is full of, was what our mouth will talk about. This will help you in your relationships, right? This will help you in your relationships. If you find in yourself not talking easily as you used to to that person, not letting it come out, you know, I love you, you're beautiful, I thank God for you. If, you, if it's hard, you say it through clenched teeth, you know I love you. You need to have a heart checkup. Check your heart. I used to travel and speak full time and lead worship and, and I would go to worship conferences and they would ask me to speak about worship and I would always speak about love. Because what I've found is if people will fall in love, you won't have to, tell, you won't have to pump people up to worship. Worship is not forced if your heart is full. Worship is not forced if you have a heart that is overflowing with thanksgiving and praise. So if you feel like your worship is uh, a little bit, get back to thanksgiving. Start with, get an attitude of gratitude. And start making a list of everything God has done for you just this morning. That's why it says, enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. And then another whole sermon is, and then from there, you went into the holy place, and then from there, you went into the holy of holies. Guess what happens in those places? Worship. That's where worship took place. But you can't get to worship unless you get to praise. You can't get to praise unless you have a heart of thanksgiving. Start there. Wake up in the morning. God, I'm thankful that you woke me up. I'm thankful that you didn't take me out when you could have. Worship is about value. Worship is about focus. Worship is adoration. And number four, worship is expression. Now you all know, those who didn't know me, I was raised a Pentecostal boy, so you knew I was going to get to the expression part of worship, right? But let me just talk to you. Let me, let me break it down for you. I want you to write this down. An inward adoration will always result in an outward expression. Say it again. An inward adoration will always result in an outward expression. And if you're taking notes, write that down. And then underline it, just say, it, underline it and just say, it must come out. It will, if it's in you, it will come out of you. Let me ask you something. A lot of us, a lot of people that are here with us today, you, you have this mindset of, of, well, I'm just not that kind of person. Um, you know, I, I love God and God knows everything. So God knows that I love him. He knows my heart. He knows my thoughts. Let me just say something. Try that in any other relationship in your life. Try it. Those of you that are married, well, I said I do when I married her. Why I got to say something else. See how long that lasts, buddy old pal. Try that in any relationship. Try that. At, what about if your employer said in their mind, boy, they're a good worker, but never told you. Man, that fellow does a great job, but never pays you. It doesn't work. If it's in us, it's supposed to come out of us 
It's not worship until it is expressed. So when we're up here saying, open your mouth, that's not because I like to hear you talk. It's because I want to encourage you to express what is already in your heart. Expression, it comes out of us. We think God knows and many knows and why do I have to do how many of you parents know that your kids love you? Raise your hand. Now, some of you teenagers or que- parents of teenagers are questionable right now, but come on. How many of you know your kids love you? But how many of you just melt your heart when they walk in the door and just say, Mom and Dad, I love you. Come on, you just, I'll give them anything in the world. What you want, baby? What you Just free will. I love you. How? much more does our God who knows our thoughts and He knows our hearts, how much must it mean to Him when we open up our mouth and say, we love you. I want to encourage you, if you're not a talker, start talking to Him. I want to encourage you to let it out of you. If there is adoration, there will be an expression. Really quickly, I want to hit what the psalm talks about. There are nine different expressions of worship in the psalms. And for every one of them, there are so many scriptures. But I want to focus, let me just read one scripture for each of them, and you can do the research when you get home. Nine different expressions of worship in the psalm. First of all, there's speaking. Psalms 34.1, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises. I won't just keep it in my mind and keep it in my heart. I'm going to speak it out. Then there's singing. Psalms 47 and 6, sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing. You think He's trying to get us to get it right there? Sing praises. Then there's shouting. Psalms 27 and 6. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Bowing and kneeling. Psalms 95 and 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Standing. Psalms 135 and 2. You who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of our God, praise the Lord, for He is good. Sing praises to His name, for it is pleasant. Dancing. Psalms 149 and 3. Let them praise His name with dancing and make music to Him with timbrel and harp. All right, Nashville, here's one. Playing instruments. Psalms 150 and 6, praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heaven. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequaled greatness. Look, if you're having a hard time praising the Lord, just read that in the morning. Just read that one right there. Then he goes on. Praise Him with a blast of the ram's horn, with a lyre, with a harp, with a tambourine, and dancing, strings and flutes, the clash of cymbals, loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love what the message says. We'll get this one. He says, praise Him on the banjo. <laughs> On the cymbals and a big bass drum. Boom, 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 boom. Every time I read that, I just see somebody coming across and say, oh, oh, and here you go. Praise him with fiddles and mandolin. Well, glory, come on now. 
clapping. Psalms 47 and 1. Come on, everyone. Clap your hands. Shout to God with joyful praise. And then lastly, lifting of your hands. Psalm 63 and 4. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift my hands. David wrote these things because he wanted to praise God with everything that he had. Not just with his mind. And not just in his heart. He wanted his hands to praise. He wanted his mouth to praise. And you know what? He wants you to do the same. The reason that God would have these scriptures placed in His Word is because God likes worship. Look at your neighbor. If you haven't met him yet, introduce yourself to him. It's going to be a little awkward because you should have done that earlier. Look at your neighbor and say, God. All right, come on now. All right, y'all done meeting each other? All right, they're going to say, God likes worship. And turn to that second choice and say, God loves your worship. How many believe that? Come on, how many believe that? How many believe that? God desires our worship. We were created for worship. But for some reason, when it comes time to worship, that's when it gets a little awkward. It's just like, eh. I want to encourage you to stretch yourself. I want you to hear me as your pastor. I I can be your friend some other time. Today I want to be your pastor. I want to stretch you just a little bit. I want to encourage you to stretch out a little bit. Maybe you you were raised in a church where you never raised a hand up. You were taught you don't raise your hand unless you've got a question. You know what I mean? I want to encourage you just to stretch a hand up. I want to encourage you to to shout when, when you hear us go, come on, give God a shout of praise. Come on, just shout. Getting quiet now. And if you've got to test it out, try it at home. Just at home. Just kneel down in your living room, in your bedroom. Just bow down before Him. Raise your hand. Put on some worship music and just dance right there. I'm going to tell you what. If you will begin to expand your expression of worship, you're going to watch yourself, make, you're going to make more room in your life for the presence of God. How many want more God in your life? Then you've got to get some margins in your life. What I, find, what I find incredible is that these expressions of worship seem awkward to some people in a worship service, and yet we do them all day long. All the time, we have these expressions of worship going. How many of y'all shouted at the TV this week for the Olympics? Just raise your hand. Come on, y'all. Y'all ain't no patriots. Come on. Y'all, when Michael Phelps was getting it, coming in, and that little South African fella, I was like, come on! Kristen came running. I was up by the TV saying, get some, boy! Stare Phelps down again. Come back at 70 and beat you. Shouting. Come on. Come on, raise your hand. How many of you did that? Then why the disconnect? Why is there a disconnect? Why do we think, well, we can't do that in church? No. All the more should we do that in church. All the more should we come together with all the mess that we've been putting up with all week. And suddenly we begin to say, our God is a liar. The Lion of Judah. And we go, oh, he's 
fighting my battle. He's fighting your battle. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise. See? And suddenly you hear someone beside you that's been walking through the same mess. And you think, it ain't just me. Victorious. Nothing wrong with it. All right with it. What about singing? How many of y'all can't carry a tune in a bucket? Feel like you should just move out of Nashville. Just raise your hand. Don't even think you can live here. <laughs> but how many of y'all still sing? Come on, raise your hand. Y'all know. Uh-huh. Turn that shower on. You can be having the worst day riding down the road and all of a sudden your jam comes on. Right? Then why not here? To a God that's worthy. To songs that have meaning. The songs that are truth. Come on, I don't want to get old school on you now. But it is. It's amazing to me. I grew up hearing preaching, y'all go yell at the ball game and you won't come yell at church. And I got tired of it too. But it is kind of true. Y'all know, y'all know it's the truth. How many of y'all, how many of y'all did, do, will go drive to a concert, stay up all matters of night, just get, get, get in there to hear somebody sing you don't even know? And then church time. I know it's old school, but it's a little true. Where we put our worth, where we put our value. What if God could begin to shift that? And we would know he's worthy of it. He's valuable. He's my focus. I adore him. And because of that, I'm going to express it. What is it for you? What is that area of your life that you feel like needs to be stretched a little bit in your worship? Something that makes you a little uncomfortable. The Bible talks about a sacrifice of praise. I'm not really used to that. man. Oh, but You know where he convicted me this week as I was studying? The one where we read at the very beginning, speaking. Because being raised the way I was and being hyper like I am and loud like I am, shouting ain't no problem. I'll shout for anybody. Oh, yeah, let's go. I'll raise my hands. I'll dance. That doesn't bother me a bit. But I found sometimes that I would allow that to take the place of me saying something heartfelt. And this week, I found myself stopping and thinking about what I want to say to him. What is it for you? What stretches you? What is it that part, that area of your life and your worship worship with the Lord? Because it's all, it's all acceptable to Him. And if it's worship, God likes it. How many of you received that word this morning? Come on, do you receive it today?